Hello and welcome back to your Bible studies with Russ. We're going to close out the book of Joshua today. Picking up at Joshua chapter 22, beginning in verse 10. Uh, we're going, we won't be commenting on every verse. We're going to be looking at this really in some sections and hitting some highlights as we close out this book. In Joshua 22, looking at verse 10, the Bible says, And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, built an altar there by the Jordan, a great impressive altar. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan, in the region of Jordan, on the children, on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, to the half-tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead. And with him ten rulers, one ruler each from the chief house of every tribe of Israel, and each one was the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. Then they came to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, to the half-tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, what treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord and that you have built for yourselves an altar that you may rebel this day against the Lord? And so we see here in verses 10 through 16, these these groups mentioned there in verse 15 uh, have built an altar. Now, it appears that they, at least to some, that they're building an altar to worship a, a false God or to worship God in a false way. Uh, that's, that's the uh, claims coming here in verse 16. Verse 17 says, Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us, from which we are not cleansed to this till this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord? Uh, the iniquity of Peor involved the children of Israel joining themselves to the false god of Baal, or Baal Peor, and, and God was very angry at this. This goes back to Numbers 25 and verse 3. Uh, was this not enough for Israel? This indicates they have not uh, to this day cleansed themselves from the sin. That is, if what Israel thinks is going on here is true, meaning they think this is they're continuing on what they started back in Numbers 25-3 with Baal Peor. Uh, we cannot, uh, Brother Patterson says here, we cannot blame Israel for wanting to know what this altar meant. Uh, and so... They it, the reason this question is stated here in verse uh, seventeen is that you know if you're continuing which what was done before uh, that is um, uh, joining uh, the the iniquity poor involved the children of Israel joining themselves to the false god of Baal Peor uh, so they think this is a continual thing from that that's why the question is stated there in verse se or that stem is made uh, is this the iniquity of Peor that's what that reference to. Uh, is the iniquity of people not enough for us, for which we are not cleansed of this day? Meaning, is this, you're continuing doing what you've done before. Um, verse 18, but, but that you must turn away from th this day from following the Lord, and it shall be if you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. But do not rebel against the Lord, nor rebel against us, by building yourselves an altar beside the altar of the Lord, beside the altar of the Lord our God. Um, so verse 17, 18, again, or verse 18, 19, or rather again, the idea there, if your land is unclean, then just come dwell with us. Uh, remember the different lots were assigned, as we mentioned earlier in the book of Joshua. 
Uh, and, and so, but don't sin against the Lord. That's the idea of verse 19. Verse 20, did not Achan, the son of uh, Zerah, commit a trespass in, in the accursed thing? Uh, and wrath fell, up, fell on all the congregation of Israel, and that man did not perish alone in his iniquity, meaning people died because of that. Uh, so they're saying, don't repeat that. Don't don't continue what was what was going on back previously, as we mentioned back in Numbers. Uh, if there's something wrong with your land, come dwell with us. Uh, don't act like Achan and others who, who, who died during that time of that transgression. Verse 21, their response. Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, entered and said to the heads of the divisions of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knows, and let Israel itself know. If it is in rebellion, or if in treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. Meaning, if we're, what we're doing is sin, and we're tre- being uh, treacherous against the Lord, then don't save us, right? Uh, didn't kill us, because that's what they would deserve. Verse 23 says here, If we have built ourselves an altar to turn from the from following the Lord, or if, or to offer on it burnt offerings or grain offerings, or, or if to offer peace offerings on it, let the Lord himself require an account. And so they're saying, you know, if, if we have done what you're saying, what you think we we're doing, then we deserve to die. Let the Lord to handle us. Verse 24. But in fact, we have we, but in fact, we have done it for fear, for a reason, saying, in time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, What have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us. You, your children, uh, you children of Reuben and children of Gad, you have no part in the Lord. So your descendants will make our descendants cease fearing the Lord. Verse 24 uh, and 25. And so uh, they are f- forming a scenario that the following might be said in the future. The Lord has made the Jordan a border between us. You, Reuben and Gad, have no part in the Lord. As a result, they will make our children cease from fearing the Lord. Uh, verse 26, a result, as a result, in trying to keep this from happening, we have built this altar for ourselves. And they mentioned they're not for, not for burnt offerings or sacrifice, uh, uh, but further it would be, it would be against, uh, it would have been against the law of God to offer such. Verse 27, they go on again to say what they're doing here and why. But there may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us that we may perform the service of the Lord before him with all with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. And so uh, this altar was will be for service to the Lord. It'll be for uh, it will be for true burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings if the Lord so chooses. So the offering here will not be for the religious purposes set up by the Lord, but as a witness or testimony that we are with one that we are one with the people on the west side of the Jordan. Uh, therefore, in time to come, your children cannot say to our children, "You have no part in the Lord." And so, it's a witness that they are basically they are followers of God. Um, verse twenty nine: Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day to build an altar. Uh, for burnt offerings, for grain offerings, for sacrifices, besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before its tabernacle, saying this is not another another place to offer sacrifices, as uh, the point they're making there in verse 29. Uh, they are they are very clear about this altar not being a substitute for the offerings that were to be made on the altar that is before his tabernacle. Verse 30, Now when Phineas the priest and rulers of the congregation, the heads of the divisions of Israel who were with him, Heard the words of the children of Israel, that the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spoke. It pleased them, 
So Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, This day we receive the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And this really goes to show that, you know, we need to ask questions, not just assume. Did you hear what they're doing over here? I mean, if they didn't go there and ask questions, they could go back and say, you know what? Well, they're departing because they're building this whole other altar. When that really was not the case, they were doing it for a totally different reason than what it may have appeared. Uh, verse 32, And Phineas, the son of, son of Eleazar the priest, and the rulers, returned from the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, and from the land of Gilead to the, to the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought back word to them. So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness, for it was witness between us that the Lord is God. So it was a sign of them being a being servants of God that they had built this altar. It was a uh, some some commentators say it's a, a replica to show. Look, this is the type of altar we off, we offer on. It's not this one, but it's, it is. You know, this is the the similar to the altar that uh, they would offer on. It's in from the tabernacle. It's a sign of them being followers of God. That's all it was. That literally basically is all it is, uh, and it was it was viewed as being something else, and they come and question and find out that that is not the case. That's why it's important to ask questions and not assume things. Uh, also, if it had been for something else, it'd be a chance for them by going there to warn them, saying, you can't do this, which is what they were doing. Chapter 23 is the commonly referred to as Joshua's farewell address, and I'm just, I'm just highlighted some verses in this. We're going to read through it. But there's a lot of encouragement here in, in Joshua 23. It, it's 23 and then also a lot of 24, really. 24 is a lot of reminder of, because of, the Lord is speaking, he basically reminds him of everything he's done for him in chapter 24. But in chapter 23, Joshua, he's not far from dying. We know we end the book in chapter 24 and Joshua does pass away. Beginning here in verse 1 of Joshua 23, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads of their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. I love how they say this, like they didn't know he was old and advanced in age. Um, we know from the next chapter that Joshua died at the age of 110. Uh, and I've heard people say, <laughs> you know, as you look in the Bible from Genesis up to a certain point, you find, you see where people live for a long period of time, and then it starts tapering off to to a much uh, younger age. I mean, you go from, what was it, 900 years, and then down to 110, and some people say, well, see, you know, their, oh, their diet changed, their environment changed. No, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't change that much. What changed is is the reasoning behind, I think, some of the ages. Uh, people, you know, certain people who live for, for long periods of time accomplished a lot, accomplished certain things. Um, I don't think there's any evidence you can say that it was because of their environment or because of the climate. Um, no. Uh, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. And by the time we get to Joshua here, he's 110. Not a young man, uh, and it's interesting that you go from people who lived for 900 years and various different long times, long lengths of, of years, 
to Joshua's time, and he still refers to it as being old and advanced in age. For us today, someone's 110, yeah, they're old and advanced in age. Uh, verse 3, he says, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. So it's a reminder of all these things that God's done for them. He says there, you, know, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. Because of you, he has done all these things. Because of you, he has, uh, you know, routed these armies and made it, uh, turned them over into your hand, that type of thing. Uh, verse 4, See, I have divided you, to you by lot th these nations that remain, to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. The Lord's with you, verse three. The Lord's going to divide the nations, verse four. And the Lord's going to just—he's going to just going to push everybody out for you, verse five. You cannot say God did anything for them. He did everything for them. Uh, without God with them, they couldn't even beat AI. Remember that they—they they lost the AI in battle before they ever defeated it. Before they came back and said, "We need to regroup and get back to God." Uh, we didn't, didn't even think to, to ask Him before we went up, and they were went home, you know, whipped. Uh, verse 6, Therefore be very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. And lest you go among the, these nations, the, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor uh, serve them, nor bow down to them. But you shall hold fast the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. And so verse 6, uh, six right here, a reminder, Remain loyal to God. They courage to be faithful to God and keep his word, but they need to do that, uh, to hold fast to him, as he says in verse 8, as you have done to this day. Verse 9, For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. The Lord has driven out people before you, and no one's able to stand before you to this day. Why? Because I'm with you. That's why. One man of you shall chase a thousand. That shows the power, not of that one person, but that one person who has God with them. Uh, he says, one man shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God he is he who fights for you, as he promised. Therefore take heed to yourselves, verse 11, that you, that you love the Lord your God, or else, verse 12, or else if indeed you, go, you do go back and cling to the remnants of these nations, these that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go into them, and, and they to you. Know for certain, notice that, know for certain, verse 13, that the Lord your God will no longer, will no longer drive out these nations from before you. Well, they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your, on your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. And so what happens? Don't go back. You know, going back is a reference to going back in sin, going back to where to these nations, and and marrying among these people. You know, people say, well, will sometimes do a very poor job of considering who they're marrying before before they enter into the marriage bond. Uh, that's why it's so important to carefully consider marrying a Christian. Uh, there's a lot of heartache that goes into marrying a non-Christian, a lot of dangers there. It doesn't mean that that person will not be converted, but it also means a very real possibility they may help you walk away from God. And so they were not to be among them. They were not to marry any of them. Uh, there in verse 12. 
Uh, now verse 14 of Joshua 23. Behold, this day I am going the way of, the, of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that no, not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God has spoke concerning you. All have come to pass. Not one word of them has failed. And we saying here in verse 14 is, look, I'm about to die, but know this. Everything that God has said was he was going to do for you, he's done it. He has kept his word. He has done all these things that he has spoken concerning you, verse 14. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed, verse 14. And lastly, the last two verses here, Joshua 23. Therefore shall come to pass, that as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord, that, that explains why these things will come upon them, verse 15. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Don't walk away from God. Remain loyal to him, chapter 23, right? And lastly, chapter 24, uh, Joshua, beginning in verse 1, and Many Bibles, mine has a heading here, the covenant at Shechem. Uh, this is, there's also a cross-reference I have here from Exodus 24, uh, going back to verses 9 through 18 of Exodus 24. But here, Joshua 24, beginning in verse 1, uh, he says here, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. So chapter 23, Joshua speaks. He gives his final words. And now here in Joshua 24, it's the Lord's turn to speak. Through Joshua, he speaks. Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the, from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, to Esau I gave the mountains of Zir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward I brought you out. There's verse 5. Again, he's recounting the many things he has done for them and for his faithful. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. Remember, the I is referring to God. It's him he is speaking. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers in chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. So you saw what he has done. He says it with your own eyes. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness for a, lo a long time. There in verse, uh, verse 7 of Joshua 24. Now, um, let me pull this up here. Because of sin, if you remember, the Israelites dwelt in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, like he just says here, for a long time. <laughs> it really doesn't matter the length. We know they dwelled in, in there 40 years, 40 days, uh, uh, one year for every day, right? Uh, but also because uh, of sin, which includes sin, right? Uh, looking here in verse uh, 8. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and and they fought with you. Uh, but I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. 
Then Balak, the son of Zippor, uh, Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I will not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you, so I delivered you out of his hand. Uh, then you went over the Jordan uh, and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, Gershites, the, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I, but I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the, to, to the two kings, the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your, bu- or with your bow, or bow, rather. I have given you a land from which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. And so he reminds them all things he has done. He reminds them how he delivered people into their hands numerous times. And then verse 13, he says, he mentions how they were blessed, even though they did not labor and toil with their own hands there in verse 13. Uh, You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord <clears throat> excuse me. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Now here's here's the we're getting to the climax here and totally most easily the most popular verse in, in, in Joshua. But he says here, notice verse fourteen, serve him in sincerity and in truth, which means you serve him with your heart, not with just your words. And in truth, meaning you follow his word. You follow him with your heart, and you follow him with your word. Follow him in, in truth. Follow his his words, and put away the gods which your followers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Put those false gods away, which your followers served. Put those things away. Serve the Lord. Verse fourteen. Now, verse fifteen. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your followers served that were on the other side of the river. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so choose for, for yourself who you're going to serve. There is no being born saved or being born lost. It's choosing who you're going to serve. Serving him and choosing to uh, choosing him and then serving him faithfully. Obedience. Uh, we decide we're going to follow God. We obey his word and we continue to do so. And he says in verse 15, but as for me and my house, which means regardless of whatever you decide to do, he says, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us, brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who, didn't, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us and all the way, way that we went among all the people through whom we, we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We will, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. They're saying, we're going to serve God. We remember, remember some of the things he's done. We, we're going to serve God. And notice how Joshua responds. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve and serve serve foreign gods, and He will return, then He will turn and do you harm, and consume you after He has done after He has done you good. Uh, so when He says here, He will not forgive your trespasses nor your sins, which the it's not the idea they have no chance for forgiveness. The idea is He's not going to ignore it. He's not going to just say, "Oh, that's okay." He's not going to forgive them, let them get off scot free. He's going to punish them, as He says there in verse twenty. Verse 21, the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So he's really kind of begging them a little bit, saying, you're not worthy. You're not wanting to serve God. And they say in verse 21, yes, we will. We will serve the Lord. 
So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself, against yourselves, that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He's saying, you gotta, you're gonna, I'm going to hold you to it. You're going to be held to this. You are witnesses against yourselves. Verse 23, Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you. Incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Notice this, he says this several times, to so put away your foreign gods. Put them away and keep them away. Don't have anything to do with them anymore. Incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve. And his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there, and under the oak that was under the oak that was uh, by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. So he calls them out, basically says, you got to follow the Lord. And he hammers them. And then, he, and then the Lord speaks, and it's the same thing. And Joshua finishes that section by saying, you can't serve the Lord. And they reply with determination, at least at this point, saying, no, we will serve the Lord. Uh, backing up there to verse uh, 21. Now verse 26, excuse me, verse uh, 29, rather. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his, border of his inheritance at Timnah, Sarah, which is, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of the Mount of Gash. Or Gash uh, how do you want to say that? Verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought for the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for one hundred pieces of silver, and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him in a hill belonging to Phineas his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. And that brings us to the end of the book of Joshua. A lot of great lessons from Joshua. A lot, a lot of great lessons. Uh, so, you know, chapter 23 and 24 are just incredible. Uh, and there's, of course, there's so much in, else, not just in those chapters, but those really drive home. You got to be faithful. You got to be faithful. You know, there, there are those today who still contend, well, once you're saved, you're always saved. Well, even the book of Joshua, uh, which so many people quote verse 15, right, uh, tells us you've got to be faithful. It's interesting that some of the same people who will say, once you're saved, you're always saved, which is accurate so long as you're following God. If you're following God, then yes, you're always going to be saved. And when you put God aside and say, I'm not going to follow you any longer, which is what Joshua is warning them against, then you're no longer in that saved condition. You have to repent and come back to God. Um and so again, 24, uh, 23 and 24, tremendous chapters. Be faithful to God. So that brings the book of Joshua to a close. Next time, Lord willing, when we come back, we're, got, we're not going to come back. You know, I think uh, next week, I believe it is, that Brother Zach Hall and myself will be doing a lesson together. And then I'll have a few other guys scheduled for January, maybe even more in February. But when it's just me here, and I'm trying not to have more than one or two guys join me a month, maybe just one a month, um, Depends on when we can get them here. Uh, but when we do come back, when it's just me here doing this, um, we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. 
And so with that in mind, we'll be beginning the book of Revelation uh, probably the first week in January. Uh, depending on when Trevor can do this with me and a few other guys as well. We have Zach Hall, Trevor Hall, and then Caleb Nelson on the schedule to join me uh, periodically uh, here uh, on Bible Studies with Russ. And so uh, but this does conclude Joshua. And so when we come back together in January, we'll begin looking at the book of Revelation. Uh, another great book, a lot of great lessons there as well, and a ton, of course, of figurative language. And we'll be looking at all that to the very best of our ability. So I do thank you for being here with me today. I hope you have enjoyed this Bible study, and I hope to see you again next time.